Acts chapter 9, verse 19. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 19. I'm going to grab my water really quick. Chapter 9, verse 19. And if you are able to, in body or in spirit, please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 9, verse 19, section B, says this. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, his, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him. And now in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So there used to be a TV show. I'm not sure if it's still on or not, but it always blew my mind. And it was, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but the TV show Extreme Makeovers, which is a show that's like kind of controversial, like people like are getting like really extensive plastic surgery done because they don't like the way they look. But if you ever watch those shows and you see the before and after pictures, it's pretty mind-boggling what they can do. Like, it's pretty insane on what they can do to the human face and human body. And they're just like, you never expect it to be the same person. Uh, I always like watching the the reveal when they would sh like reveal who they were to their family and friends at the very end of the show. And they would come out of this curtain, and they're like, surprise, and everybody would be like, oh my gosh. And they would interview some of the people in the audience, and the, the family and friends, and they said, can you believe it? They're like, no. Like, I don't think it's the same person at all. It doesn't look, the, they don't look the same. It's not the same person. And there's just this, this complete awe factor. Like, there's a complete, like, shock factor. And people just doubt who they're looking at. And uh, it's one of those things where you just at home, your wife's like, oh my goodness. Like, you, even at home, you see that and you're like, that's not the same person. That cannot be the same person. But they went through this transformation on the outside, and it looks completely different. Now, who are those in our community that perhaps have gone through transformation, not on the outside, 
but on the inside, and we have a hard time believing that transformation because they look the same, but perhaps on the inside, it's not the same. You see, in verse 19 through 23, we see this, we hear a voice, and it's a voice in a doubting community. It's this man named Saul who is now going in this place of Damascus, and he's preaching the Word of God. He's preaching that Jesus is the Christ. Now, a little bit of geography history here, a little—not history, it's still there, but a little geography lesson. So Damascus to Jerusalem is about 150 miles. In that time, it's about a two-week walk. Two weeks journey to get from Jerusalem where Saul was at up to Damascus. Now, prior to chapters prior, we know that Saul experienced a transformation by the Holy Spirit, like through Christ. He blind, he can now see, and now he's preaching because he experienced he experienced the power of Christ in such a life-changing way that his response is now to preach that gospel, is to preach the gospel to a community he was once really known by. In fact, like we see Saul here, and this man, Saul, has a reputation to kill Christians, to kill believers, those who believed in Jesus' name. Saul was known to be the man who's like, don't worry, Saul's going to get him. Like people knew that's who Saul was. Like if you, there was a Christian, like there was like that community, leave it to Saul to go find them and persecute them. Like, we, we know this because like we hear through Scripture that Saul was even present for Stephen's stoning. Back in Acts chapter 7, we know that Stephen, uh, first martyr of the faith, okay, was, was, was sharing the gospel, arguing against Jews about that Jesus is the Messiah. And they ended up killing him, but we know that Saul was even present there. So in Damascus, 150 miles away, two weeks journey, Saul has the reputation even there to be known to be a ruthless man. Somebody who Christians would fear. Here's a man who has authority and power by the religious leaders to take your life away because of who you believe in. And then we see Saul experience the power of Jesus and is transformed and is now in Damascus, the place where he's supposed to kill people, but instead he's preaching the name of Jesus. He's preaching this, this, this gospel, and he's, he's proving more and more that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the Messiah, and minds are being blown away. In fact, people are even asking the question, is this the same guy who was, like, killing people who pre like, who called on that same name he's preaching? Like, isn't this the same dude who literally was killing people because of the name they were, like, he's saying right now, the name they said, like, isn't that the same guy? And they're like, yeah, that's the same, the same dude. Minds are being blown away. And then word got out of them trying to kill him. And this is because of his transformation. You see, there's people there that perhaps were not happy about it because there was once this dude who's on their team. He was on their team. He's going to help us take care of this issue about Jesus. You know, Jesus is now gone, and his disciples, you know, we're going to get him. 
But here's Saul, and Saul experiences the transformational power of Jesus, and Saul is now preaching this. And now I can imagine what those Jews are thinking, saying, weren't you on our side? Weren't you on our, our side? And we know that Saul's doing great things for the kingdom of God at this point because there are people that are following him. There are people who, who are listening, and there are people who are coming to Christ because in Acts chapter 9, it says his followers got word of him going to be killed. You see, there's this man, this voice in the doubting community, this man who was once so awful has been transformed, and now he enters a community, and the community doubts him. Yes, there are those who believe in him, but there is a group big enough that doubts, that doubts his transformation, that doubts not just his transformation, but in reality doubts the transformational power of God. And it makes me ask the question, who are those we doubt in our community? And that's a really like touchy subject because in every community there's brokenness. In every community there's pain and there's hurt. And a lot of that time, most of the time that's caused by somebody who you once loved dearly or somebody who you grew up with. But who in our community do we doubt what God can do in their lives? I think of the drug addict, the murderer, the liar, fill in the blank. Who do we doubt in our community of their transformation? Now, I'm not saying, like, do you have, like, I'm not saying, like, maybe you have a specific name in your head. I'm not saying to do that, but I'm saying, who are these type of pe types of people in which we doubt when they say they, their lives have been changed? Just because of previous behavior, you know, there's a saying, once a liar, always a liar. And we think, like, because that one person broke your trust one time, therefore you can never trust them again. What happens if that person experienced transformational power of Jesus? And we think, when we think about that, we think of those people that have caused hurt, that have caused pain. And all those feelings that we have against them, are they justified? Yeah, they are justified. They, it's, it's normal to experience that distrust. It's normal to experience that pain. It's normal to experience that doubt in that individual because there's an experience in which you've walked through that has left a taste in your mouth that is not pleasant. And you ask, you, you wonder why, God, why would you transform that person? I don't think that person can be transformed. But let me tell you about the transformational power of Jesus. You see, Jesus meets us in our deepest place. Jesus meets us at our absolute bottom, exactly where we are at, not because we deserved it. Jesus loves the unlovable. He forgives the unforgivable, touches the untouchable, and saves the ones deemed unsavable. Why? Because they deserved it? No. Because of his mercy. It's because of his grace and his mercy to which why God steps in and saves people from where they are at. Not because they said, all right, I'm going to change my ways, God. Now you can do your thing. No, that is the opposite of the gospel. 
We see Jesus meeting people exactly where they are at and transforms them. Saul was on his way to go kill Christians. Saul was not an individual who like stopped the side of the road and said, all right, Lord, forgive me. I'm, gonna, I'm going to now live my life for you. No, Saul encounters Jesus, and we can tell that there's some sort of like dialogue there. We don't know. Like, we have, like, Acts tells us what took place, but we see that Saul was blinded because of it. He was blind, and God said, you know what? Jesus told him, you know what? Go to this man's house, and he's gonna, I'm going to show you what my power is about and what I can do. You see, Saul went through a transformation. Jesus has power to transform people. people. Jesus has the power to meet where people are at. Jesus has the power to meet you where exactly where you are at. In your fear, in your doubt, in your anger, in your struggles, in your temptations, in your sin. And Jesus meets them exactly where they are at and transforms them. And sometimes a community doesn't see that process. One person I think of is this man named Austin Chang. Austin was a prisoner. He was an inmate at one of the local prisons out here in Southern California. He was doing, I think it was like 15 years for a crime. And this is somebody who society would say, you know, can't trust him. Like, we just, in a way, keep our distance. Like, he deserves to be in there. He belongs in there. Keep him in there. And a group of Christians, a group of believers, uh, started a Bible study, for those who are aware, of prison fellowship. They started a prison fellowship in this particular prison. And in that Bible study, Austin got to know who Jesus was in a place that is so dark and that is so empty, just spiritually empty, you could say. People stepped up, went to this prison, shared the gospel of Jesus, and Austin's life was transformed. So much, in fact, that when he got out, he met somebody, started a family, and they planted a church in the community he grew up in. Here's a man who was doing time for a crime in which he committed somebody whose society would deem unlovable, untouchable, unforgivable, but yet Jesus saw something in him and said, I'm going to use you. Jesus saw something in him and said, I am going to use you to make me famous. And in fact, I am going to send you not to a place so far away, but I'm going to send you home. And I'm going to show people what I can do because that's the Jesus we serve. Jesus is one who can transform people. And Austin became a pastor. He planted a church in the community in which he lived in, he grew up in. And that church grew and is still around to this day. Part of that process, though, was it took somebody to believe in him. It took somebody to step up to share the gospel to him. It took somebody to disciple him in his faith, to walk beside him and encourage him along the way. We just got to be, we got to be reminded that it's not just the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. The Holy Spirit does the work, but the Holy Spirit also provides 
guides people to walk beside others in that time. That the Holy Spirit is not just working in that moment, but He's working behind us and in front of us. And in that time, we can see how the Holy Spirit works because He, like I said, he meant, I mentioned, He directs people to walk beside those who are discerning a call, who are, who are walking through transformation. Saul had people like that who walked beside him. And we're going to talk about one just in a little bit. But Austin had people in his life that said, I believe in you. I am going to affirm what God has done in you. And I'm going to vouch for you. And it was because of those voices, it was because of those people that said, hey, I see what God is doing in your life. But continue, that continued to fuel the work of Christ in Austin's life. So it just did not, it just did not affect Austin. But it, it also impacted those walking beside him and those who are now at the receiving end of Austin's ministry. All because of one person said, I affirm what God is doing in your life. We look in verse 27 of Acts chapter 9, and we have this one voice of reason. This one voice who boldly speaks out. Mind you, Saul comes back to Jerusalem, and people here are going to be like, uh-uh, Saul's back. You better hide. Like, you better run. Saul's here. And then he, like, Saul goes to the disciples, like people who are following Jesus, and they're terrified. And he's, I can just see him like, hey, it's me. And they're like, nope, we're out. Like, we're, we're done. But he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm on your side now. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, don't try to trick us. You're going to trick us. You're going to kill us. No. It's like, no, 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 no. No, for real, I'm on your side now. And he's like, they're like, nope, no, you ain't. We saw what you did to Stephen. We, we know what you did. I'm like, no, we don't trust you. We don't believe in you. You're lying. He's like, no, I've been transformed. But yet we see in verse 27, but Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas took him to the apostles. Barnabas became that voice of reason. Barnabas testified on behalf of Saul. Barnabas was the voice in that, play, in that time that affirmed what God was doing in Saul's life. Barnabas stepped out in faith. He stepped out in faith and said, you know what? I believe him. He was doing God's work in Damascus. Let me tell you what he was doing. Barnabas affirmed what the transformational power in Saul's life. Here is a man who has credibility, a man who is trusted among the community, a leader, a helper in the church. And he affirmed what God was doing in Saul's life. Despite what people were going to tell him, despite people saying, no, 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 I don't trust him, I don't believe him, he's here to kill us, Barnabas saw something different, knew something different, and affirmed and testified on behalf of Saul, saying that, no, my boy Saul has, has been 
touched by Christ, transformed by the power of Jesus. How are we going to respond? Barnabas affirmed Saul's calling, and all it took was that one person to affirm something in Saul. This affirmation done by Barnabas helped set Paul up, or Saul up, I'm jumping ahead of the story, helped set Saul up to preach in Jerusalem, but not just in Jerusalem, throughout that region. Throughout the Roman Empire, Saul was now set up to preach the gospel to make Jesus famous wherever he went. Now, if you look at the Acts, it sounds like it's really quick, like boom, 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 Saul did this, 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 and then he was out in the world preaching. But if you look at Galatians, we know that uh, this took some time. We know that there was some, there was some time different, there was some time uh, in there, like three years between uh, Saul being uh, saved by Christ on the road to when he leaves Jerusalem. We know that there's a time frame too in which there's about 14 years that Saul spent studying away from people because he was being, like, he was going through this process of being transformed. We got to be reminded that transformation, yes, it's a moment thing, but also it's continuous. Transformation is a continuous thing. And Saul spent time studying. He spent time with Peter. He tells us this in Galatians. He, share, he shares this with us. And if you know Luke, uh, Luke being a part of that community, that society uh, of Jews, uh, Jewish uh, testimony is normally pretty rushed. It's really quick. That's why you look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament's really quick. And like it shares like a story, but in reality that story took is way longer than six verses. It can be like a years of long story. And so we know that Saul spent time studying and learning. But Barnabas' affirmation helped set Saul up. It, provi- it helped Saul grow trust with those in his community It allowed Saul to learn more, to be equipped more by the Spirit to step into wherever God had called him to be. When we think about that, when we think of that one voice of reason who speaks truth, who has affirmed a calling in someone's life, it's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ that even those who have a past can be transformed. And as we know that, as we hear that, we can be reminded there's unity in Christ. This story reminds me of and teaches me is the unity in Christ. Despite our past, our failures, when we follow Christ, we are united not just to Christ, but to the body of believers. In uh, one of the classes that I'm taking right now, I have, a, I have two summer courses, and there's so much work for a summer course, but that's besides the point. One of the quotes that I heard in one of my classes uh, beginning of the semester said this, those who belong to Christ belong to those who belong to Christ. I'm going to read that again because sometimes it takes a little bit of brain power to grasp what you just heard. 
I know it's early, um, but hear these words again. Those who belong to Christ belong to those who belong to Christ. It's a beautiful image, a beautiful reminder that, yes, we belong to Jesus first and foremost, but as we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we follow Christ, we are also accountable to each other. We also belong to each other. We belong to one another because that's how Christ has us set up to be in community, to affirm one another, to lift up each other. The Holy Spirit works in that. He works in the community. We can be that voice of reason. We can be that one person who affirms another one's calling. How? How can we do that? Well, here's how. Having a relationship with Jesus. We think that Jesus only uses those who are spiritually mature or who have, like, the best devotional life or the best prayer life or who has the best attendance for church. We think that Jesus only uses those people, but in reality, we see something different. Yes, Jesus uses those, same, those people too, but also Jesus uses people who which people would doubt. Jesus uses people who people would doubt their faith. Jesus uses those people who wrestle with their faith. If you look throughout Scripture, there are only a handful of people that we would say, you know, they were great. Like, they were really good. Like, awesome people. Only a handful. Majority of Scripture is a bunch of broken people who are failures that God uses to bring forth His message. God uses the broken. God uses the ones who people don't trust at first. God uses these people. So, God, knowing that, knowing myself and my sin and my failure and my doubt and my fear, knowing that, it's comfort knowing that God will use someone like me. And I hope and pray that you hear this and be reminded that God will use you. That God will use you to speak and affirm the truth you see in people's life, even knowing their past, even knowing about them. That God would use you to affirm their gifts and their calling. Because when we have confessed Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we have professed our faith, we just don't belong to Christ. We belong to Christ, but we also belong to those who belong to Christ. Be reminded of two things. One, there is transformational power in the name of Jesus. That Jesus transforms, not just yesterday, but he transforms today and he transforms tomorrow. He changes lives. And the second thing that I want to encourage you and be reminded with is this. As Christ has called you to affirm his work. Affirm Christ's work in the lives around you. If there's somebody who you have seen, it's like, you know what, I've seen you have grown in this. 
say it. Sometimes we're afraid to say those good things to people. Sometimes we find it really easy not to say good things to people. Sometimes it's way easier to say, you should have done this better. You should have done that. But sometimes, more than often, Christ calls us to step into a place to affirm with truth. To build somebody up. To remind them of the work that God is doing in their life. Speak and affirm the truth you see in people's lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are. We pray, Lord, that you guide us, that you direct us, that you move within our lives. We pray, Father God, that in our weakness, you remind us of your grace and of your mercy. Walk with us, Jesus. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.